0: Hi, I'm Brett Robinson. Welcome to the Redeeming Hope Podcast, where we share biblical truths that'll give you real hope. What is real hope? It's a hope that is relevant, energizing, authentic, and linked to Jesus. So last time we started speaking about the journey of faith, and I want to continue today about speaking the journey of faith, and I contrasted last time the difference between Christians on, with a destination to Christians on a journey to a heavenly destination. <laughs> and I want to point out what I believe is perhaps the major and fundamental differences between these two mindsets. And the major danger between these two different attitudes can be summed up in one word, disconnect. The Christian on a faith journey remains connected to Jesus. However, when we become too destination-minded, then we can become disconnected from the miraculous working God of our presence. Now, I know you're very spiritual people listening to me share this word today and you're probably going, nah, that would never happen to me. <laughs> and I know that you're probably right. But as it turns out, it's happened to a great many other people throughout biblical history that thought they were doing pretty okay as well. So I thought, let's have a look at a group of pretty spiritual guys and see how they uh, navigated this journey. As it turns out, the 12 guys I'm talking about were the disciples. And the dangerous journey that I'm talking about is the journey that occurred after some miraculous, divine provision, God providing, miraculously multiplying baskets of food to feed thousands of people on a hillside as he preached. Can you imagine the high they came off after that wonderful experience? And Jesus casually walked up to them and said, Hey guys, yes Jesus, I think I'm going to stay here and pray for a bit. You guys get in the boat and go on ahead of me across the lake. They must have thought, ah, isn't this wonderful? Jesus sending us off at sunsets. Beautiful evening. We're just going to sail into the sunsets. This is all so uh, divine, so heavenly, you know. What a wonderful evening we're going to have. Well, we're going to pick up the story of that interesting uh, evening in Matthew 14 and 22. So if you have your Bible go ahead and uh, turn with me to Matthew 14:22 i'm going to do the same over here there we go Matthew 14:22 and i'm going to read for you from the passion translation as soon as the people were fed jesus told his disciples to get into the boat and to go to the other side of the lake while he stayed behind to dismiss the people. Sounds so peaceful, so serene. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) After the crowds dispersed, Jesus went up into the hills to pray. As night fell, he was there praying alone. But the disciples, look at the person next to you and say, but the disciples, (laughs) who are now in the middle of the lake, ran into trouble. Oh my word, did Jesus not know what was going to happen? For their boat was tossed about by the high winds and the heavy seas. At about four in the morning, Jesus came to them, walking on the waves. When the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, they were terrified and screamed, A ghost! (laughs) Then Jesus said, be brave. Don't be afraid. I'm here. Peter shouted out, Lord, if it's really you, then have me join you on the water. Come and join me, Jesus replied. So Peter stepped out onto the water and began to walk toward Jesus. But when he realized how high the waves were, he became frightened, and he started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried out. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, What little faith you have! Why would you let doubt win? And the very moment they both stepped into the boat, the raging wind ceased. Then all the disciples bowed down before him and worshipped him. And they said in adoration, You are truly the Son of God. So, the dangerous disconnect we are speaking about. Well, the dangerous disconnect for these 11 and a half out of the 12 disciples occurred on that dark and stormy night. I ah, know you might be thinking, Brett, there were 12. What do you come with with 11 and a half? Ah, don't worry, it's in the story. <laughs> so, as I was thinking about this, I had to laugh thinking about how, as believers in the modern day age, some people Of various denominational faiths might have theologically approached this obscure situation that they find themselves in. And I thought about what if there were a couple of people in that boat, Catholics, Baptists, Calvinists, and a Charismatic. (laughs) How would they have dealt with the situation? And as the waves crashed over the bow onto the disciples in the boat, I think the Catholic might have said, just the sprinkle of this holy water on your forehead will cleanse you from the trials that you experience here on this earth. As the waves broke over the bow of the boat, the Baptist might have said, not my forehead only, I want to be completely immersed. And as they all feared for their lives, the Calvinist might have said, you see, I told you, many are called, but few are chosen. (laughs) The charismatic might have said, Lord, if you told me to cross the lake, then why am I encountering this storm? I thought crossing this lake was going to be a blessing. (laughs) Finally, Peter couldn't take it anymore and said, I've had enough of all this talking. Jesus, I'm getting out of this boat and I'm coming to you. (laughs) But Peter's destination was not to walk on water. It was certainly an amazing event along the way. And I think if it had happened in modern day times, a ministry might have been born called Walking on Water Ministries. Maybe a book series would have been launched How to Walk on Water, Start Shallow, and eventually Venture Deep. (laughs) Maybe it would have become a series, you know. But Jesus was called, uh, Jesus called Peter rather, to serve his sheep, to love his sheep, and to lead his sheep into fellowship with God. Walking on water wasn't Peter's destination. It was a life lesson that happened along the way as he learned to rely fully on Jesus as he walked out his faith journey. Let's look at the mindsets of the disciples that night versus our mindset. Because you might say, well, Brett, it's a cool story and, you know, it's interesting, but how does it affect me? Well, just as their goal was just to get in the boat... And to go to the other side of the lake, our mindset can be if I can just get to the end of the month, the end of this project, the end of the medical treatment, the end of the school term, if I can just make it to the end of the year, if I can just get to a time when we have a reliable electricity, when there's enough water, a government that isn't corrupt, when inflation goes down and things get more affordable, then I will be okay. The problem is that these things will always lead us in life on a merry dance, and we can constantly be caught up in never ending busyness. When the storm struck, the vision of the disciples changed. Their vision was initially, if I can just get to the other side of the lake. But in the thick of the and in intensity of the storm, their vision was shortened to the immediate crisis. If I can just bail the water out the boat a little bit faster. If I can just row faster to get to the other side of the lake, maybe it'll all be okay. I know that you guys would have been far more spiritual than that. (laughs) But what do we do when we face a crisis? Well, our vision can also be dramatically shortened. If I can just pay this bill. If I can just get the payment from this client that owes me money. If I can just land the next job. If I can just get a raise. <laughs> but these short-term events are not our destination. See, Jesus is calling us to raise our vision and to walk a faith journey with him. Just like Peter called out to Jesus and Jesus responded and said, Come and join me, Peter, out there on the water. The thing is this. Peter, as spiritual as he might have been, I'm sure he had his face down, bailing out water from the bottom of the boat together with all the other disciples. To see Jesus, Peter had to look up beyond the bucket, beyond the boat, and into the storm. And when we're in the thick of a challenge, a trial, a storm, we too have to look up to see Jesus. We have to stop bailing water and look up to see Jesus right there with us in the middle of our storm. When did the turnaround happen in the story? Well, the turnaround started when Peter called out to Jesus. And our turnaround will always start when we call out to God in faith. And Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord i will be saved. We need to call out to God. When did the miracle happen? Well, Peter's miracle happened when he stepped out of the boat and onto the water. And our turnaround comes when we realize that responding to Jesus and walking with Jesus in the storm is what saves us. Having stepped out of the boat, you would have thought that everything was now great for Peter. But Peter again took his eyes off Jesus, and he got focused on the size of the waves. I know you and I would have probably been far more spiritual than he was. You know, it's just waves. There's Jesus. <laughs> but what is the lesson here for you and I? The lesson is don't disconnect in the middle of your miracle. Peter was in the middle of his miracle. You'd think the hardest part was stepping out the boats. But he stepped out the boat and started walking, and all of a sudden, he disconnected. Everything was going great until he took his eyes off Jesus and saw the size of the waves. Now oh, We've got to remember, I grew up swimming from a young lad in the shallows of the pool into the shallows of the sea, into the Olympic-sized swimming pool at school. Doing breaststroke, butterfly, crawl, backstroke, doing gala's. Well, Peter didn't have any of those things as an advantage. <laughs> I don't think he'd learned to do any of those strokes. <laughs> Peter was figuring out, if I go down, I'm, I'm not sure how I'm going to come back up. <laughs> and he got distracted, and his distraction caused his faith to become disconnected. Our goal is to keep our faith plugged in. To continue walking with Jesus no matter the wind and the waves. The challenge is that the, the distractions are always justified. I know you guys have probably never done this, but I've done this sometimes. Going through life, facing some difficulties that I can't fathom and figure out how I'm going to get to the other side. A little bit of panic, a little bit of worry, a little bit of fear. And I'm thinking... Well, if I don't feel afraid, if I don't feel anxious, I don't feel worried, who is? I've got to do something about this. After all, it's up to me. It's all on my shoulders. (laughs) You see, we can always justify the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the doubt, the unbelief. Just like Peter had incredible justification. There was a large wave coming toward him as he was walking towards Jesus. Guess what? The distractions are always justified. Which is why looking beyond them is always going to be a faith choice. Just like it was a faith choice for Peter, it's a faith choice for us as well. Began to think about Jesus' brother James, who was in the boat. And I remembered a passage of scripture in James chapter 1 that I'd like to read for you. And I'm convinced. That as James wrote this passage and as he was thinking about it, he was drawing on some of the lessons that he learned that dark stormy night in the boat, seeing Jesus walk toward them on the water. And in James chapter 1 verses 2 to 8 in the Passion, it says this, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. And if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. Just make sure you ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you will receive. And as the thoughts I think came as he remembered back to that night and the discussions they must have, must have had with Jesus afterwards. He says this being Undecided makes you become like the rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. When you are half hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? You see, what James is teaching us is the ability to find assurance and confidence and to stir up our faith in the middle of the storm. And I really believe that God calls us to live a faith lifestyle, not just have faith highlights throughout our lives. And Romans chapter 1, 17 says this, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. In other words, it's a faith journey. Each and every day is an opportunity for us to stir up our faith and to release our faith. It goes on to say, the righteous will live by faith. Using our faith each and every day to hear God and be obedient in that next step. That's what the faith lifestyle looks like. Don't leave your faith at home when you go to school or to work or to the shops Don't allow your faith to become disconnected. You see, faith connects us with the Word of God, the grace of God, the life of God, the Spirit of God. Faith will cause light to break through in the darkness, healing to overcome sickness, solutions to arise when others only see problems. Faith will cause you to be sustained and to give you endurance. It'll cause your prayers to be heard in the throne room of heaven. And the wisdom of heaven to transform your life here on earth, as we just read from James chapter 1. So my encouragement is let each day be an opportunity. Go to God and pray and say, Lord, show me today how I can release my faith. Lord, what are the promises in your word that I'm standing on? And as we begin to think and speak and pray God's promises, as we begin to honor God and give him thanksgiving, God will give us opportunities to exercise and grow and develop our faith. When Jesus sent the disciples over that lake, he knew they weren't going to sink and land up at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. But he knew it was going to be a test, an opportunity for them to grow and develop their faith. And to realize that small faith can overcome big waves and high winds. Amen? You might think that you only have a small faith. But scripture is filled with illustrations and examples of how small faith is enough to calm a raging sea, to move a mountain, to cause someone who is sick to be healed, someone with nothing to find the provision that they need. Small faith in a big God brings big results, amen. It's not the size of our faith, it's the size of the God in whom we place our trust, our hope and our faith, amen. Thanks for tuning in. I pray that the message of God's word will build your faith and develop a hope that is so strong it's like an anchor for your soul. Go ahead and subscribe, And why not share the message with a friend?